Hello and welcome everyone to this week's episode of Double DM Podcast, where we are going to be talking about not taking your games too seriously, being more funny, more wacky in the stuff you do, going more with the flow and all of that kind of stuff, all sparked by a single simple Reddit post that we read and hated. But first, as every week, we are here to discuss what happened in our week. So let me ask the first question of today. Niels, how are you doing today? I'm doing kind of good. I, um, overall, good. pretty good week, but didn't sleep as much as I would, would have liked to because I stayed up way too late last mm -hmm. night. But other than that, super fun week. How about yours? Okay. Everything nice. all right with you? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. E everything is all right with me. Yeah. No, I, I, I've been doing fine. So good basis. Fine as fuck. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. This, yeah. this is the way, right? Having a good basis, everything can just go downhill from here. <laughs> no, but... Um, my week was was fun. I recently re-engaged in playing Pokemon a lot. And I mean a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. That's why I stayed up la uh, late last night, because I was trying to catch that one fucking rare Pokemon on that one route, um, which had a, uh, or as far as the internet goes, a 1% chance of spawning. But I got that. <laughs> I got it. So hell yeah. Other than starting Pokemon again and work there's nothing non-TTRPG related that was noteworthy happening in my week. So pretty basic. Pretty, pretty basic. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. But what happened in your week? Um, Not much, I have to say. Basically, nothing happened. Um, it's been a pretty normal week. Um, I did, in fact, very badly um, hurt myself or my right arm, um, slipping on ice. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, yeah. okay, I can yeah. see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks quite fun. Oh, damn. Um, and that is only what has, like, the entire, my entire forearm was, well, my entire forearm was red and blue and purple and mm -hmm. um, in the shape it is supposed to be. It wasn't, nothing was broken, nothing was sprained, but I did but um, bruise beyond belief. Bruise beyond belief. Um, I wasn't really able to use my right hand for the entire weekend. Hmm. So I was basically one-handed. Um, was handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. So that's what happened. Um, it, everything was fine on Monday and Tuesday. Then um, mm -hmm. I was able to do to then go to work or do the work that I was supposed to do at least normally again. But yeah, um, it still hurts, mm -hmm. and that's been kind of everything I did this week because I couldn't go to sport. I didn't play TTRPGs yet, and yeah, the rest of the week was just work. Mm -hmm. Slipping on ice—it was pretty easy to slip on ice the last week or so yep. because there was some sort of weather swing or whatever the fuck and before that it just rained or was really wet air or whatever right and then suddenly there was a weather change and we had below zero degrees celsius again and then this small little water film on nearly every surface just froze. Mm -hmm. It was a nightmare. The streets were fine, but the sidewalks, hmm, not so much. <laughs> it wasn't a lot of fun to walk towards my car after that shift where while I was working... 
the sidewalks basically froze. It wasn't a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. basically just sliding and ice skating without ice skates towards my car was not 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 a really fun experience but yeah hey at least now we're hey. accustomed to it right <laughs> no we're uh. not <laughs> um i mean maybe it's getting warmer soon ish hey But th- those days yeah. are coming back yeah. soon, actually, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you can al- already do some barbecuing in, like, March or April. I so. mean, not, not that I didn't do any barbecuing this year already, but um, <laughs> because I did. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's just no, way yeah. more fun if you can just sit there in a T-shirt and a pair of shorts and just enjoy the warm air and not be in full winter's clothing. When you eat your bratwurst mm, mm, or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As for TTRPGs, I haven't had any yet, mm-hmm. but I do have a session tomorrow. Okay. And this is the first session of our Masks West Marches campaign. That's the word. I wanted Damn, to say nice. Salt Marches and was like, <laughs> wait, no, that's not right. That's um, our mask way. <laughs> our, our Masks West marches campaign team of eight superheroes in that campaign um and said okay let's change it up a bit you only are a we're only able to like get like three to four people into every session anyway let's just say that um when i when when i post a new contract or when i post a new alert or whatever on the dashboard more or less in our discord i mean some of you may sign up and then are able to meet up together and well Do whatever that session entails. Do the contract that kind of sparked you to form the team that you're on right now. Like uh, this first one is right. There's a bank robbery. That that that's all the information that my players have. That's a bank robbery done by at least one superhuman with mm-hmm. um, with some sort of ability. While the rest of them are human, they have hostages. Keep them from getting the money in, inside the bank vault or whatever it is that they want from the vault. And yeah, right, do normal superhero stuff. Yeah, And that, that is basically the entire session. Or, or at awesome. least that is the beginning of the session, right? With masks, you don't want to prep too much of a session actually because mm-hmm. you want to go with the flow. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I have that prepared. I have a second villain or a second antagonist prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to be very different from a usual antagonist already. That is kind of going to be leading through the theme of the first act of that campaign. Oh, cool. Um, okay. I don't want to hear too much because I want to experience yeah, it myself. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what you already know is that the first act of our masks campaign is going to be the very classical team. Teenage superhero coming of age story, yeah. right? The first Spider-Man's or, or Spider-Man generally. Spider-Man has that kind of story. Mm. Um, what else? Uh, Miss Marvel, um, for example, um, to take a very modern example. At least, yeah, no, let's take a very modern example: the Miss Marvel TV series or the Disney Plus series, right? That kind mm. of deal. Hey, getting getting powers, or not necessarily getting powers, but coming to terms with the fact that you have these powers to mm-hmm. do good. How will you use the powers? And yeah. how will you grow up out of your childlike, teenage-like naivety into someone that can actually be a hero? Mm-hmm. What, what is something that scares you? And how will you overcome that obstacle? Yeah, yeah. And I if you that. don't, you're not made to be a hero. 
And if you do, you've made the first step into being a hero. Mm -hmm. That is kind of going to be the first act. So the first act of that campaign, as far as I have already stated to the group, is every one of you guys will have to do at least one session mm -hmm. of that campaign before the first arc can even end. But also every one of you has to have at least one moment where they conquer their naivety or their mm -hmm. personal obstacle and overcome the problems that come with them being a teenage superhero. Yeah, I love that. So I, I can't wait to play in that. I, I'm, I'm excited. And I can't wait to hear the report on that incident that you, uh, the, the first incident that you posted. Mm -hmm. Will be a lot of fun to read. Can't wait. And then to talk about um, whatever happened to the characters that that happened to or for or whatever in character while doing another assignment. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Cross-references. <laughs> Yay. Amazing. Amazing. The thing about masks is, right, masks binds itself to the relationships between the superheroes. And I thought, yeah, we need to kind of get that still going. Mm -hmm. um, we need to have that. So the thing is that campaign, while sessions are going on, players will have the relationships between the other characters in the session. However, I um, made sure that there are, um, first of all, some regulations in, pr in place um, that people that have relationships to another play together more often mm -hmm. or get away to interact more often with each other and that characters that explicitly do not have any relationships to each other or are not that well connected to each other do have at least one time where they meet anyway mm. so that uh, we can really build this web of interactiveness in that eight character roster while also um, being right the problem is that all missions that you do, all sessions that you have will be important to the story. So there will be logs that will be written by me and one of the other players maybe or the all the other characters, uh, all the other players in the session where we will basically say, okay, this is the information the others that weren't there get. Mm. You need to make sure that you give them the information that they might need on a future mission. Mm -hmm. What do you put into these notes? Hell yeah. Because right at the end of the day, that would kind of be the thing that you do in a team where not everyone is always available in a, yeah. in a superhero team, right? You would write these logs of what happened that day and everyone else needs to understand them, right? And they can decide my character wouldn't read them, so I don't read them. Or they would say my character would study them so, so they can see everything fit together. And yeah, it's a little experiment. I don't know if masks is the best system for it, I will admit. However, I do enjoy finally getting to play masks because this was the basically only way that we would be able to play masks. Mm -hmm. The way we would be able to play masks. So mm -hmm. it is all we have. And yeah, so that's that. And I also have a D&D session on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Finally, again, after one and a half months of not being able to play, all I right. finally hopefully get to play again. Best of luck in my sessions or my one session that I have mm -hmm. or had was basically just character creation because a couple of player, two players came a bit mm -hmm. too late, um, about an hour. And so it wasn't really worth playing for just one and a half hours. But two and a half, sure, that's a thing. Can do that in a new system. But one and a half is a bit too short, I guess. Um, so we just made characters. And then the next mm -hmm. time we meet, so next Tuesday, we will get to play. And yeah, I'm excited. We created characters for Starfinder, which is mm -hmm. pretty D&D or 5e adjacent in, in the rules so there's nothing too new nothing out mm -hmm. of the ordinary basically but there are a few nuances that i really like 
so far, at least from character creation, that you have two, basically two HP pools, which is pretty cool. You have one uh, hit points and stamina mm. points and mm. that um, it's not a binary thing. Either you have proficiency in a skill or you don't, but you can increase the proficiency that you have in a skill mm. more um, more individual or more individually, which is pretty in uh, interesting to me because you can have the same class and choose the same proficiencies quote-unquote or the same training but then divert if you want to be more of a pilot or more of an engineer with the same class which sounds pretty fun and from or at least from how i un understood it the backgrounds or what it's called there the themes kind of level with your character mm -hmm. they gain new abilities the longer you play your character but they are not um bound to your class but to your character level which sounds pretty interesting and yeah i mean space mm -hmm. space and magic and hell yeah what the fuck right i hope it will be mm -hmm. fun I, I i yeah i hope it will be fun i think i will have fun or i know i will have but i hope everyone at the table will because it's a system we never played but hey at least the basics work the same as our usual system dnd let's see how the nuances play out and if it's felt in any way we will see and i will report my findings <laughs> I will report my findings. Yeah. And with that, after that, our new system month is coming to an end. After having played two systems. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. We played um, one system twice, and which is good. I, I like that system. That's pretty cool, um, which is tiers. It's a German role-playing system, a, a pretty small one from a German online TV um, TV station. But it's it's a mm, post-apocalyptic zombie apocalypse slapstick comedy B movie kind of system, mm. which is fun. Or if you um, make a small uh, smaller campaign out of that, that that would be fun as well. Amazing! I, I can't wait to do that at some point. But I would have loved to get more different systems in and now we just had the star final character creation session which then again took one test session away yay <laughs> the thing is we could prolong the new system trials into the next month but at some point i want to play our standard or usual campaigns again because we haven't played them or, or my campaign uh, the one that i am running for three and a half months now I mean, Nils, you could play your normal games and do a new system month with me. Yeah, I will do that. Hell yeah, I want to try a lot of different systems. And I have I some do too. Duet, and I have some duet play systems that I want to try, or at least one. Mm -hmm. And yeah, let's do that, please. <laughs> yeah, we can do please. that for sure. One hundred percent. I would love to. You know, I would love yeah, to. I know. Yeah. So TTRPGs out of the way. Uh, usual week stuff out of the way. I guess this was the recap. Yeah. And we are ready to dive back into our episode on wacky stuff in your games and not taking your games too seriously. I mean, come on, it's TTRPGs. Hey, listener, how are you enjoying the show so far? Tell us about it in whatever way you see fit. Go to our social media pages and add us or DM us about your favorite episode of the show. We would love to hear from you on what impact our show might have had on your home games. 
Or you could review us on your podcast app of choice and leave us a nice message with a five-star review. And if you want to go above and beyond, bring a friend into the fold. Tell them about our show and refer us to them so they can get a piece of the pie as well. Thank you for listening to Double DM and joining us on this incredible journey. So, Niels, while we were looking for episode topics to do in this episode, right, because we have to figure out what we want to talk about, collect some thoughts and make sure that we have a topic that we can at least somewhat coherently talk about for like 50 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And while we were doing that, we looked through Reddit mostly, right? Yeah. We looked at Reddit to see if there's something going on right now, because even though I might not like Reddit that much as a platform, it is a good place to find topics to talk about, find things that are going on currently in the community and just figure out where people stand on stuff, right? It's a, mm -hmm. good, it's, a, it's a forum. It's a good place to find discourse. And, and it's a good place to find discourse, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Reddit is known for that, being quite often depicting very harsh discussions sometimes because the users are special, let's say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it's kind of um, unfair to say that, I think, about yeah. all of Reddit users, but right, Reddit is a forum and we all know how forums sometimes work. There is no real filter. Everyone can say anything they want about a topic and that's their given right on that forum, as long as they are by the terms of service, the terms of use or whatever, they can use the forum. Reddit is a good place to figure out anything about the community because conversations go there to be discussed. Regardless, we were browsing Reddit on the search for something that we could talk about and we found nothing. We didn't find anything that really resonated with us to make an episode, right? We have a lot of episodes on Backlog, but we also sometimes just want to focus on stuff that is currently being discussed. Mm -hmm. We didn't find anything. Most of the D&D &D and D&D &D help the advice subreddits were um, the usual stuff, which isn't necessarily bad, but we don't want to make an episode again about combat, about starting out, about doing this certain specific thing. At least we didn't find a thing that we wanted to talk about. But we found a post that talked about the um, Unearthed Arcana spell on-off, which is supposed to be used in sci-fi or modern settings of D&D. So first of all, one of the fun things about the spell for me is that it implies that wizards who released that unearthed arcana believe that that spell deserves to be in the game in mm. a game that is designed for fantasy yeah. even like steampunk fantasy like Ravnica right like the spell is supposed to be the cantrip allows you to activate or deactivate any electronic device within range as long as the device has a clearly defined on or off function that can be easily accessed from the outside of the device any device that requires a software based shutdown sequence to activate or deactivate cannot be affected by on off that doesn't even work in Ravnica yeah because that is for modern settings D&D has no released modern setting and it will never have one at least published you can obviously play modern settings in D&D you can even play futuristic settings in D&D if that's mm -hmm. what you want but wizards releasing a spell that is basically not used in any single game that they have right that's why the spell never made it to a book and stayed in an unearthed arcana because it cannot be used in the game mm -hmm. unless the entire setting is 
built around it. Yeah. And now this is where the where the Reddit post comes in. Someone says, one of my players is a wizard and he took the on-off cantrip to, first of all, basically mess with the Warforged player and turn them on and off when they annoy them. Mm -hmm. And second of all, right, how can I make the spell kind of useful in a high fantasy setting where there is no advanced technology? And with that comment already, with, with that post, I have bit of a problem not with the poster themselves right they are genuinely asking mm -hmm. but what the fuck as a player taking a spell that you think can turn off another player's character because haha that's fun kind of feels disruptive mm -hmm. a bit depending on the fan group dynamic it could be fun it could be very fun to to have that spell especially when the warforge player says yeah that's kind of cool i like that idea mm -hmm. right if the warforge player says that's kind of funny do that yeah if you think that you can turn off my character on and off sometimes why not right what actually is what we want to talk about is those fucking comments under that post. Niels, I've sent you the post, you've read the comments. Yeah. What do you think of them? Yeah, they are not really saying anything at all. And that that's the problem with that. When, when you're looking <laughs> online, looking for advice, and all of the comments you get don't say anything, hmm, that, that's not a good basis for a discussion or for the reason why you are on this forum at all looking for advice if there is nothing in the comments but just the thing nothing being worded in 100 150 200 words but they all just say nothing it's not really a good place to start i mean there are only a few comments right the, the yeah. post didn't blow up or anything but the four comments like 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 the biggest comment the eight upvote comment after 16 hours i would not make that spell available in a traditional fantasy setting. That is your right to do as a dungeon master, to get that out, out of the ground, right? You as a dungeon master can say, this, this, and this is not allowed in my setting. This is okay in my setting, right? You you can set the boundaries. Boundaries are not bad, mm -hmm. especially when they are set together, right? We're playing a traditional fantasy game. There is no electronics. There is no this and this and this. So it is totally okay to say, hey, this spell wouldn't be available to me, or you can't use Anna of Darkana spells in my games because I don't know them. I don't want to deal with them. Mm -hmm. I get it. I do it too, and it's okay. But it needs to be done. No, no, it doesn't even need to be done up front. It just needs to be done. And it needs to be stated. Yeah. And you can and should state that if it messes with your game experience. However, that is not what the person asked. And that's my problem with that comment. Exactly. When that person asks you, how do I find uses for this in this certain type of setting? Where they said, I don't know about any certain way to make this available in a game where that spell shouldn't be able to be used, but they are using it. And I want them to use it. Mm -hmm. At least I don't want them to change it. So I want to find uses for it. Yeah. Saying, I would not make this available in my games or you should veto that spell is not helping the question. It's dodging it. It's not even dodging it. It's outright refusing to answer it. Yeah. You, you have had the question and your opinion that you wouldn't make it available or that you should veto it as a GM is valid. However, it is unapplicable to the question. Mm -hmm. And with this episode, I don't want to say that you as a GM are not allowed to set those boundaries or that that type of conversation of saying this is not okay at my tables isn't needed. It is needed. We need to talk about the differences at each other's tables. However, what I want to talk about is the outright, the, the um, starting point for this conversation is someone wants to make that spell applicable in their games. How can they do that? 
Hmm. How can they make a spell that is not necessarily designed for their fantasy setting still kind of fit? Hmm. How can they make wacky, different, unique, interesting other things kind of fit their game? Because hmm. it would enhance the game. And this is the first lesson of today. Everyone write it down, class. This is coming on the test. <laughs> I think that every GM out there that is too set in that doesn't work because of this certain arbitrary rule that I might have stated at the beginning of the game or that we agreed to at the beginning of the game is kind of taking their game too seriously. Mm. Like I'd get setting boundaries and saying this won't work at all. That's okay. And I do it too. But at the same time, when a player comes to me asking if they can do that certain thing or can get that certain item and I'm saying like that's kind of not working here, we can still have a conversation about either making it possible or why it won't be possible. Exactly. I don't need to say no that won't work because this and this and this because of those arbitrary rules we agreed upon at the beginning of the game that we could change. We have the power to do so. It is not something that this is impossible. Mm -hmm. It is not impossible. It is possible. You just don't want it to be possible and that's okay. And it's okay to say no I don't want that to work. It is our game and we agreed to this and I want to keep it that way. Sure. Yeah. But I also think you you can just say, yeah, let's try to find a way. And when it works, our game is kind of more wacky. The lesson is your games are allowed to be a little bit more wacky, more wonky, more strange and fun. Oftentimes yeah. I have found when my games are a little bit more strange with stuff that works and doesn't, they are kind of more engaging. Hmm. And I think uh, it is important that everyone at the table agrees to trying to make that work. If someone says, nah, that doesn't really work for me, then that's obvious. But it has to be a group decision or it has to be a decision after a conversation had at the table. Th that's the important part. But let's just assume for this discussion between us, let's just assume that everyone at the table agrees to when there is some sort of spell, mechanic, item, feature, whatever the fuck, right? And it doesn't really work currently, but agrees to, yeah, let's try to make that work. What would be your first, uh, what would be your first approach to such a problem after you all agreed, yeah, let's try to make that work? So in that conversation, yeah, let's try to make that work. I would have also already gotten to brainstorming with the players about how it would work. Yeah. Like taking the example of on and off. On and off states and it's in its wording that it needs to have electricity and an on-off switch that is easily accessible from the outside. Mm -hmm. Now, you would have to bend the rules a bit to make yeah. that work, but I would still say, okay, let's say we're not losing the electricity, but we're expanding the wording of electricity and say power. Yeah. It has some kind of power circuit, power surge. It has a power battery. And that power could be a magical artifact that powers a current contraption. Mm -hmm. Or um, right, it could be actual electricity. Yeah, or it could be uh, steam power, for example, And if you're playing in a steampunk setting. Uh, yeah. I would go even that far. Yeah. Or water pressure or hydraulics or anything yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Some sort of power mechanic. And, and the thing is, most people where they set their fantasy settings, I, I think one of the best examples for this is guns and black power in D&D. Mm. Because in my settings, they're fair game. Because mm. I believe that when, when, when I give my, when my players can get their hands on a gun, especially for example for an artificer, that, that is kind of the right the, the normal idea. At some point the artificer has a gun and just shoots anyone as, while the ranger shoots with a bow next yeah, to them. Parry this, you filthy casual. Exactly. First of all, right, my enemies can also use guns. Guns are kind of cool in, in, the, in these games. Mm. They're kind of funny, kind of cool. Um, and they don't subtract from my fantasy. Mm. They add to it. And I think, I think that is right, the first decision. The first decision is, does 
using this certain type of content add or subtract from my fantasy. And I'm not talking about fantasy in the terms of genre, but in the sense of this is what I want to do. This is what I want to play, right? This is what I sit down in the evenings after a long work day and have fun with. And if, the, and, and if I can see a way that spell would add fun to it and not subtract from it, I would hmm. say, yeah, let's go with it, right? In this certain scenario of the Reddit post, poster describes that that player mostly took that spell to mess with the Warforge player. And I can see a way where that would dis dis disrupt the game and subtract from the fun of that Warforge player and maybe everyone else as well. Mm -hmm. So that is a valid reason to say, no, you can't take that spell or rather, no, you can't do that with that spell. Warforged, exactly. right? Warforged, when you take them, how they are written into the game's rules and lore in Eberron, they're not machines. They're sentient beings. They deserve the same basic rights as everyone else. That's their storyline in Eberron. Yeah. We are not your machines. We are beings. Let us be beings with the same rights, the same freedoms, like everyone else. Mm -hmm. That is their story. And therefore, I would say explicitly, no, you can't turn off the Warforge. They are a too much complex contraption to be turned off by a fucking cantrip, even for just one second. Especially um, when you're taking the spell uh, a bit more um, by the heart or by the rules as written. It's as if If it, if it has an easily accessible outside on-off switch. If that is the case, everyone could just go up to the Warforged and click that, which I guess isn't the case. It needs some... If, if it is a machine that can be shut down, yeah? Just as a hypothetical here. It wouldn't have just be an off, on-off switch or a lever. On its nose or something, right? Exactly. No. It's not you punch the Warforged in its nose. Oh, that was the power button. Hmm, sad. I mean, one fun thing is, right, if the Warforged player wants to play their Warforged more and more into the direction of I am full machine, hmm. I have an on-off switch, I would still say no to the spell because, right, it is a cantrip. And the, even when I have a Warforged player, the option is kind of on the table to have other Warforged at the table. Mm -hmm. And it's not a cantrip used, supposed to be used in combat, more or less. Yeah. Like, right, it could be used, but it would kind of be very bad to have like an like like a like a group of Warforged walk up to you and you say, No, I don't want to have this encounter on off. Mm -hmm. It is creative using of that spell, something that I normally always encourage, but it is also fucking lazy, actually. Yeah, it, it's disrupting. It's creative but disrupting. And yeah. if you want to do creative shit, do something that isn't disrupting. Do something that adds to everyone's fun and to the story and to what uh, and to the world itself and all of that, right? And now for the scenario that the Warforge player actually agrees to that. Yeah, I have an on-off switch. It's on the it's on my foot or something where it's not easily reachable, and only the wizard can turn me on and off with that spell. That Warforge plays into that, right? Wants to be turned on and off every night so they can sleep. One of the fun things I'm thinking about is if that is the case and this is the fun for all the table I will oblige by it as a GM yeah. but when other Warforged but then I can make that into a storyline into a plot line maybe even there are other Warforged in this world that have found a way to disable their on-off switches they are like, right, then, you, then you walk into that storyline of Warforged are more than just machines to be turned on and off to be controlled by the people that turn them on and off. Mm. These Warforged are rising up against their creators or against their oppressors, rather. They have mm. turned off their on and off switches and are now uncontrollable by that single simple cantrip. Yeah. That is an interesting storyline. Mm. And it involves the Warforged player plus the wizard player that has the on-off spell. 
Ja. That storyline would only drop into my head if I had a player come to me with a wizard that has that spell equipped. And I'm mm -hmm. asking them, why do you have that spell? And they say, to mess with the Warforged player who agreed that that would be fun. Yeah. Only then that storyline would drop into my head. And I only get that storyline if I don't outright instantly forbid the spell. Exactly. That's the case with a lot of things that uh, your players come to you with. And you might think at a first glance, nah, I don't like that. That That is the case with a lot of things in TTRPGs. Because as soon as you start digging a little deeper and actually think about that more than just the first glance or your first impression, there can be a lot of fun in all of these little small details even if it's just a small little detail that doesn't really quote-unquote matter um, at all but you still don't like it for your setting you don't like it for the world whatever if you think about it a bit more it can be an amazing plot hook like you just explained it can lead to so many amazing stories if you want to put in the work for that as a group that that's the thing if someone comes to you with such a quote-unquote problem it's not entirely upon you to find a solution it's a joint venture basically you, you have to work together with all involved parties to make that work yeah you are the facilitator of rules and all of that blah 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 but it's you are not the only one needing to control all of that because you cannot control the player characters saying you're the facilitator of rules is a good thing for me you're supposed to interpret the rules and make fair rulings on top of those rules but that also means that when you look at certain rules and you don't know what to do you can ask your players exactly because at least when i'm at a table um as someone that has jammed more than played i always have also kinder ideas right i'm, I'm a player i'm gonna stick with what the gm says mm -hmm. because i know how much they have to deal with it how much they have to think about everything so whatever they think fits best fits probably best they have the most knowledge i can get behind that but when the gm doesn't know i i kind of gauge if i could make a suggestion mm -hmm. right because hey i have this kind of idea i mean there was this one time in our second actual play where you as the gm didn't know what to reward another player with Yep. And I had an idea, right? I had an idea yep. that would, in my in my mind, as a GM, make kind of sense and would be cool. And I said, okay, can I suggest that? And you said, yeah, sure, let's take that, right? Mm. It's a conversation. Sometimes the GM doesn't know. And then the players are allowed to make suggestions. They are allowed to help. And the same goes when a player comes to you with certain things, right? And again, I need to emphasize so often, you are allowed to say just, no, I don't want that as a GM. Mm. Always put an explanation behind it. Like, for example, on-off is from a very, very old UA about modern D&D settings. It never got released, it never got revised, and it never got cared for again by anyone, really. Mm. So it is basically completely cut off from anything D&D right now. So if a player comes to you with that and you say, I don't see a way to make this work in my setting can you please change the spell I would say that 100% of my players and I would say like 90% of all players that play D&D hmm. would instantly say yeah no problem yeah if we assume good faith everyone would say which is not a problem right i think even at tables for example that i would never play at for whatever reason mm -hmm. there's a lot of people on that table that would understand the gm saying i don't have a way to make this work please change mm -hmm. especially if it's an if there's an explanation behind it we are humans we understand my player then can say but i have an idea and i can hear them out mm -hmm. it becomes a conversation it is not a ruling hey that does not work 
work and they say, but what about this? It's not them trying to talk back to you as the GM. It is them trying to find a way to make it work within the bounds that you have just stated and with that you might have agreed with them. Mm -hmm. And when you find an find something that is okay for everyone, then you can still make that ruling. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't have a problem changing a cantrip on my character because mm. the GM said that is from an old UA. I don't know how to make that work in this game. It does not fit. I would say, okay, cool. I'm going to just find a different spell. It is mm. a fucking cantrip. I have, I use those mostly for flavor anyway. Yeah. It's not a character defining trait that you're asked to change. That's the important part. And if it's a character defining trait, maybe rethink your character. If your, if your character is completely revolving around just this on off cantrip uh, it wouldn't be my kind of deal of, of a character to deal with i would say if it is a character defining trait um which it can be sure then again right now now the gm brain goes off again so you want to mess with the warforged player is that because you are its creator and mm. therefore have a specified on off spell just for them if the warforged player agrees again sure then I would even allow that spell again because it is not on-off as a spell. It is just you having the control over that Warforges being on and off. Mm -hmm. That is all. And then we could say every wizard has the on-off cantrip but only for the Warforged they create mm -hmm. or for the contraptions they create. Yeah. And I mean, you can make your wizards a little bit more tinkery in your setting mm -hmm. that again would kind of distinct them from usual wizards because what i what i think always when when people say high fantasy setting because i think my world min is a high fantasy setting but not in the way that a lot of other people seem to define high fantasy because what other people define as high fantasy is standardized normal fantasy that everyone agrees on aka lord of the rings mm -hmm. and i'm like why do my wizards have to be sitting in high towers brewing their potions and making Making weird spells in their spell book here. No, my wizards in my world are mostly aristocrats. I'm not jealous of the wizard, stereotypical wizard, big head and flowy rope. No, no, I don't want to wear that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's fine if, if you want to have that, but think a bit outside the box. Yeah. You don't have it, to adhere to stereotypes. You Yes, first of all that, that is very important. You don't have to adhere to those stereotypes and it wouldn't change that much of a thing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to make your wizards artificers that gain, that, that basically imply making magic with building tinker stuff. But your wizards could be a little bit more crafty mm -hmm. in their in their ways. They're, they they build magic artifacts, power crystals that power their spells, right? Mm -hmm. um, where do magic items come from in your world? Yeah, or Are they made by wizards? Yeah, condensing the magic around that into a small crystal that then powers the spell or something along those lines. Amazing stuff. Or just the barbarian doesn't need to be the mindless brute that just rages because he wants to. It can be a sophisticated way, just I'm, getting angry. I, I, I'm very much a proponent of renaming rage mm -hmm. into battle sense. Because I think it fits way better than rage. Yeah. We can discuss why barbarian as a word for a class that is supposed to be angry all the time is kind of a bad way because it is, at the end of the day, a colonizer's perspective of things. These indigenous people are barbaric because they're angry at us. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're angry at you because you steal their fucking land, people and valuables. They are supposed to be angry. Yeah. But regardless of that, I think that rage just is 
too implying mm. on how you have when 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 there's discussion about what is the simplest class, what is the most easy class is I often hear barbarian. And mm -hmm. do you know why? Because all barbarians are kind of the same. At least all the big barbarians you hear about all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm a big, strong person. Um, I have a lot of muscle. I'm kind of dumb and I rage. That's fun. Mm -hmm. But we can challenge that stereotype and say, I'm still a strong person, but I'm much more focused on being the best in combat. I am a trained combatant. I'm not just a mindless hit thing mm -hmm. machine. I am trained to be a combatant. My rage, which gives me damage resistance and whatever else, is, is supposed to be me locking into kill mode, more or less, and getting ready to fight. Yeah. I am now a battle machine for the duration of my rage. Yeah, and however you want to flavor that, It, it th that's a big part of making things work is kind of reflavoring it like you like you just said the battle machine it can be that you're so in fight mode that it's not that your adrenaline spikes to th that amount that you can't feel pain anymore that well but rather i am so in the zone that i even though i get hit i can still deflect the attack to do minimum damage Something along those lines. You mm -hmm. can just reflavor how your resistance plays out. Mechanically, and rules as written, it is the fucking same. Because you activate that ability, you take less damage. However you want to do that. Yeah, my skin thickens. My, um, I'm just so angry that I can't really uh, realize the pain. I deflect the attacks even though they hit me that they just graze me, for example. Whatever the fuck, right? My favorite example for uh, reflavoring stuff, the, the same thing could happen to the on-off switch with the electricity. I mean, mm -hmm. just change electricity to power and there you have it and it can work, mm. is actually the dancing light spell. Mm -hmm. Because uh, in the dancing light spell it says, you create up to four torch-sized lights within range, making them appear as torches, lanterns, or glowing orbs. I can tell you, I have never had a game where dancing lights was used where it was just torches, lanterns, or just glowing orbs. They were always some sort of wacky shit. So, uh, ones that were um, small little lightning chains that connected a blue flame which isn't yeah it could be a orb but it isn't really because it's a living thing and it's not a constant light but it flickers or i had it be literal glow worms glow bugs lightning bugs whatever right or spectral butterflies that emit a radiance something along those lines and suddenly this spell that says you can create torches lanterns or orbs works for every character just the way you describe how it looks the mechanics don't change at all the same thing can be done for example to the on off spell that just sparked this whole discussion change electricity to some sort of power and it can be a lever that can be just pulled or a button to be pressed or a pressure plate or whatever the fuck right some sort of power required to activate something and now the spell works just fine in basically any setting because a mechanical pressure plate can exist and does exist in nearly every high fantasy setting looking at you dungeon traps <laughs> you're completely right especially with dancing lights right the the kind of core feature of dancing lights is that these light bulbs can move around Mm -hmm. And um, my players use dancing lights to be more more lantern-like, more normal torch-like. Um, but they use them in other ways, interesting and creative, inside that spell definition, right? So they don't reflavor them, but they use them to scout ahead. 
as far mm -hmm. as they can, right? Um, and stuff like that. That's my players, right? Your players are different and therefore the experiences, especially in that instance where the reflavoring of content comes in, are different because they we reflavor stuff to fit what we want, to fit our fun. And reflavoring is never a problem. Even mm -hmm. if we change even little aspects of wordings in spells or in abilities, rage becomes battle senses. On-off electricity becomes power. There is it's no... The same. It's the same. It, there's no difference in it. And you really do not have to do a lot of work to make that work. Hmm. And I don't give a fuck that about the people that say, but rules as written, it is not that way. Yeah, rules as written, it's not that way. But my game did not does not base itself completely on rules as written. I still abide by the rules. I, I don't change anything major. I change small things to make sure that the fantasy we have is in the details that are fun. Like you just said with the rage and battle senses, rules as written, quote unquote, there in the book, it says rage. Okay, but it doesn't change the fact how this feature works, how it functions, what it does. It doesn't change a single thing. So it's still rules as written. Mm -hmm. Just the name is different. The rules are the fucking same. Stop crying about that. One other thing about um, the reflavoring and and uh, creativeness um, is for me, for example, when I describe how attacks miss from enemies against my players, um, right? Because you talked about the rage and that maybe you uh, make sure that you, you defend the attacks in some way that they do minimal damage or something. Because um, one thing I noticed when playing with my players um, is that they see AC as a hit or miss, Um I have players that wear armor instead of have a high dex. And when I say they hit you, but they can't get through your armor, my players look at me kind of like, my players started looking at me, huh? no, they missed my AC. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's why you wear armor, that's, to not get hit. Yeah, anything above a 10 still hits you because your natural armor class is, if something is under your natural armor class, I say the attack misses you entirely. Mm -hmm. If you wear armor and increase your armor above your natural armor class, which is 10 plus dex, I your say that the attack, your yeah. armor catches the attack. Mm -hmm. You still get hit. Mm -hmm. You just have, you just that thick in your armor is just that thick so that they don't hit. Mm -hmm. And they really, they, at, the, at the beginning, they looked at me. That's not how that works. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's exactly how it's supposed yeah. to work. It's just not that, not explained that way. Because armor class and anything in D&D, it is all hit or miss. And when you hear miss on your armor class, because the attack missed your armor class, they see You think the attack missed you, which is just outright wrong in the fantasy of the game. Mm -hmm. That's where I think that comes in. We don't need to all, like, like the rules don't actively say that your armor catches it. They, it just says you are not hit by the, you're not, you're not taking damage by the attack because the attack missed you. But in the rules, it's talking about the role that missed you, not about the actual attack in the fantasy of the game. Yeah, I, I think it is meant like the attack's purpose missed you, which yes. is dealing damage. Yeah. You didn't get dealt damage. So the attack's purpose missed and it didn't hit because... Hey, you still got all your hit points. You didn't get hurt at all. But hey, that's why you wear a plate armor to mm -hmm. do exactly that. And 
The fun thing about those things is you can get all the spice out of it that you want. Everything. For example, if you're playing just out of the blue, you're playing a battle master fighter with the disarming attack. For example, mm -hmm. in the uh, round before that, you are wearing a full plate. You get uh, swung at by a, uh, with a sword, but they miss your armor class and they hit your armor in the side. Mm -hmm. On the next turn, you roll to hit with your disarming attack, succeed, they fail their saving throw and let go of their weapon. What you mm -hmm. could do is hey, they struck me in the side of my armor, right? I just lift up my arm, catch the uh, weapon, uh, weapon below that and twist around or stab them with my sword or give them a bonk with my hammer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they just let go of the sword because I have it clamped up between my arm and my body. Boom. You yeah. got an amazing spicy flavor out of the attack missed you. Perfect thing. Amazing stuff. Very fun to do. And one of mm -hmm. my favorite things to do in that regard is um, kind of reflavoring into that a bit mm -hmm. is uh, reflavoring the shield uh, especially when i play a full plate character mm -hmm. to a parrying dagger that doesn't deal any damage but it's just there for parrying and stuff mm -hmm. and therefore no my shield does not catch that attack i deflect it with my parrying dagger hey same mechanical thing the attack didn't deal damage mm -hmm. but in my mind's eye it looks cooler <laughs> What's the harm in that, right? Exactly. There is no harm because it's just made makes everything better for yes. everyone at the table. And yes. it, it gives you a way to differentiate between quote unquote same characters, how they interpret what happens through the dice and then reflect that onto the narrative and how you describe it is an amazing way to increase fun at the table, differentiate between characters and just make them stand out, even though they are both yeah, we are paladins of the king. We are here to be the best knights. Both are, uh, both uh, characters are. But the way they try to achieve that through the way they describe it, through the way they interpret and interact with the rules together with you is a way to differentiate and distinguish between the two and make one of them stand out at one point and the other one at the others, at, at another point. There you go. More fun, more engagement, amazing stories. It is so inconsequential rules-wise that you can just do it. The same goes for the on-off topic that is on Reddit and in this episode's beginning, right? It is inconsequential to say electricity is just a form of power to a machine. Mm -hmm. What makes it so hard to say that any form of power goes? Yeah. Or even, even if you want to say that for a cantrip, it cannot be any form of power. It needs to be some kind of defined one. Sure, I don't give a fuck. Then make one up that is equivalent to electricity in the modern age. Hmm. Oh fuck, that's magic power. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not supposed to work like dispel magic. Because the on-off spell does not dispel the spell. It just turns it on and off for a certain duration. Hmm. That's all it does. Sure, let's fucking do that. There's no problem in that. Hmm. It is fun. It is cool. And it's way better than saying, oh, yeah, um, no, that doesn't work at my tables because uh, that says modern D&D &D and I don't play modern D&D. &D. It's high fantasy. It needs to be like Lord of the Rings or whatever other fantasy setting I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. Make your fantasy settings more exciting. Make them wacky. If magic is in your game, there are so many abilities in D&D &D that make it so hard to make a co coherent setting. Don't try to make one. Yeah. There are things that can turn back, that can freeze you in 10 years of time and spit you out 
10 years later or 10 years even earlier. They can time travel. Mm. I don't give a fuck about you know, anything, really. Just make your games wacky. Make them more fun. Make them unique from any other fantasy setting out there. Find certain details. And especially when your players come to you with these ideas, like on-off for a wizard, even though the setting is high fantasy, and you struggle finding ideas on how to make it work, that shows to me that you are at least trying to make this setting unique and fun for mm. that player and for the table. And I think that that's cool and interesting. Yeah. It is a world I would very gladly see because I know that you care for what your players want to do while still at the same time, hopefully, knowing when to say no sometimes because that is a skill you as a GM need to have. You need mm -hmm. to know when to say, no, that doesn't work. Can we change that? In what way can we change that? Have that conversation. But with, with that conversation comes that wackiness oftentimes. Because oftentimes you find a solution that is not just outright saying no. And when you have that solution, it makes your settings wackier, uniquer, and more interesting to play in. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you uh, if we just look at the make your worlds wacky argument, use that tur uh, and turn that notch up to 100 and you have basically the world of Ooh from Adventure Time. It is yeah. the most fucked up, wacky world where everything goes does everything feel out of place no nothing feels out of place because they make it work in the world itself and if you do the same with your world however coherent you want that world to be but you will find some sort of way for something to make it work if you want to make it work mm -hmm. as a group as a table there will be a way if you all decide yeah let's try to find one so yeah. yeah saying yeah i don't like wacky worlds they are just not coherent enough yes they are in a way they need to be coherent in their own right that's what we talked exactly. about in some of our world building episodes right you need to have some kind of rules to your worlds you need to have some kind of boundaries set with the table you need to make sure that everything works and especially those boundaries are not to say no to your players they are to make sure that everyone can grasp what is happening. Mm -hmm. I think that is very important. It's not about saying no to your players because you don't like that. And that's why there's a boundary, but rather a boundary to have in the game. So the game is contained. Everyone kind of fits into the same fantasy and can agree on that fantasy. Yeah. And it doesn't have to make sense in our world. It has to make sense in the world itself. And then you're golden. As long as everything you say, do whatever the fuck to some regard makes sense in the world mm -hmm. that it is set in, that's all you need because that's the goal of world building, to make a world mm -hmm. that works within itself, not within our confines of reality. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, we can't conjure a meteor swarm, for example, or we can't travel through uh, to the fire plane and fight dragons. But there you can. And if as mm -hmm. long as all of that in the world makes sense, that's totally fine. For us, it makes sense that we all have a cell phone or that the world has access to internet and instant communication for everyone ar around the planet, which wouldn't work in, uh, or which should necess not necessarily would work in my fantasy setting. But fighting dragons would, huh. It doesn't make sense in the world that they are, the characters are living in or it, that I live in, but the other way around it does. And that's that's all you need. With that, I don't have anything else to add to the topic. I mean, I think it has been said what needed to be said, right? Mm -hmm. Your worlds don't need to be so constricted. They need to have boundaries in some certain places. Sure, I'm not, dispo I'm not disputing that. But it's totally fine to, at some points, say, yeah, sure, let's try that out. Let's find a way to make that work. And then we make it work. We have the power to make it work. We are the controllers of our story. We control everything. We have the power. Use that power, GMs. 
It is a power that no other media gives you. TTRPGs are especially that focal. Like that is the speciality of TTRPGs and that's why I love playing them. Because I have the power to say yes to wacky ideas and then find a way to make them work where no other media could. Mm -hmm. Because my players have not do not have the patience to write a book or the money to make a movie or a video game. But they do have the money to sit down at my tables and have their own stories be told. Yeah. And if I have to say yes to a wacky idea that somewhat breaks my fantasy on first glance, that somewhat breaks my fantasy on first glance, I will say yes and then find a way to make it fit to that fantasy because it is not my fantasy. It is our fantasy. And when I always remember that, I always think saying no makes it my fantasy and not necessarily theirs. So that's where I want to leave this episode. And that's why I don't have anything else to say anyway. Exactly. And with that, thank you all for listening. Hear you on the next one and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Double DM. It appears you liked this one. What we had to say and our advice helped you. Why not show us how we helped you in a rating? Or even write a review detailing us how we helped. You can do this on the platform that you are listening on right now. It's just a few clicks, doesn't take long, and helps us out. It gets us out there and our advice into more ears of more people. Thanks again for listening and joining us on this amazing journey. Have a great day and see you on the next one. Bye bye.